I'ma let you ease into this. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, holding down the fort for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. For those of you that are listening, Apple Bits Nation, we're here. This is our deep dive podcast inside the world of Apple. If this is your first time because you've seen my YouTube stuff and now you're like, oh, I want to check out this audio podcast, so welcome to the show. But for everyone else that has been here from the start, even from way back when, I appreciate you. I appreciate y'all so much. So again, this show is all about you. Call in 833-888-ABXL. That's 833-888-2295. Your name, where you're from, your comment, your perspective, your correction, your good apple, bad apples. We love to hear it all. Try and keep it around a minute. And we do have voice calls uh, that we're putting in the show today. You know, we had an interview last week, so we've got to kind of balance this out and just kind of keep you on your toes. But let's get into... The real business here, the MacBook Pro. Last week, Dave Lee, YouTuber, put up a video saying how it was excessively throttling the machine when dealing with high-end tasks, 4K video, multi-computational work. Well, Apple this week, just a day ago, released what they're calling a fix for the thermal throttling issue. Now, this is Apple's statement. I'll just read the first two paragraphs, but this is what Apple is saying. Following extensive performance testing under numerous workloads, we've identified there is a missing digital key in the firmware that impacts the thermal management system and could drive clock speeds down under heavy thermal loads on the new MacBook Pro. A bug fix is included in today's Mac OS High Sierra 10.13.6 supplemental update and is recommended. We apologize to any consumer who has experienced less than optimal performance on their new systems. Uh, They mentioned the new performance that you're going to get, basically what they had said in the specs when they first released it, 70% faster uh, performance for the 15-inch MacBook Pro compared to 2017, and then the 13-inch MacBook Pro would be up to two times faster. So they say those gains should return. Now, there's two things to kind of point out here. First of all, Apple called it a bug fix, okay? They said it was a mistake, and also Apple says we apologize This is the thing that I really stuck out about this is how quick they were to react to the situation. They worked with YouTuber Dave Lee to replicate his exact workflow to find out what he was doing and what was causing it, which allowed them to, what they say, find this bug. So look, we've seen their track history of Bengate to touch disease to battery gate to MacBook Pro keyboard issues that have taken them, quite honestly, roughly what? a year and a half or two to actually address, but kind of address it under the radar in most cases. They took care of this in a week. And perception is always reality, right? Everyone, I was freaking out about it. You heard me on last week's show. I was like, I have one for pre-order. Like this doesn't make me feel confident as a consumer who just spent a whole lot of money, which I'm using to drive and be more efficient as I'm doing all of this independent, like literally like a big chunk of what I have, you know, to push this forward and, you, I didn't feel good about it. Well, with this, the way that Apple is talking about it here, I feel a whole lot better. People on YouTube, they're gonna, it's gonna take some time for them to test out. I didn't get mine until yesterday, so it's not like I can run tests and compare it from before. But we'll see how that plays out. We've already seen some gains. They said that at least with the type of work that Dave Lee was using and testing, compared to the 2017 MacBook Pro that he had originally tested, um, 
his first test had the MacBook Pro 2018 model perform uh, pretty much the same or slightly slower than the 2017. With this new software fix, the performance from the 2017 to the 2018 model bumped up 35%. So there was a 35% improvement, pretty significant. Apple did step up to the plate. Some people are still going to be skeptical. We're going to see how this plays out over time. Now, people are trying to figure out exactly what is the issue. What exactly was the bug? Apple themselves will never publicly go into the details of the nitty gritty. There were forums on Reddit that said this was a VRAM issue. That was what was one of the reasons that was causing it. Let's be honest, the actual design, the super thin enclosure and the actual form factor of the MacBook Pro prevents it from getting your optimal performance. That, no matter what, is the issue. But the problem was this excessive throttling that is abnormal. We know that pretty much every laptop does throttle at one point in time because of heat management, but not at this degree that happened with Apple. Now, we had a great contribution from Steve Sinan, who's one of the people that commented on my YouTube page. He's a software engineer. And I also want to give some perspective of what might have been what was happening as well. So he said, I'm already seeing a lot of cynicism, so I'll explain with what happened as I have experience in this field. The key that Apple was referring to is basically just a configuration setting in the firmware. There's a setting that basically tells the OS whether the CPU is a desktop or a laptop class CPU. Now, desktop CPUs can run at a much higher wattage. By default, configuration settings was probably set as a desktop CPU. Therefore, the OS treated treated it as such. Now, because of this, the OS would crank the CPU way too hard under load, which would cause it to heat up instantly. Then it would hit thermal limits very quickly. And since the temperature fluctuations were so large, it would throttle the CPU way back down, uh, in some cases at 800 megahertz. Once cooled enough, it would crank it like a desktop CPU again and then rinse and repeat. So all Apple had to do was change this configuration setting, this key that they're referring to, so that it's treated as a laptop class CPU. So now we'll ramp up the clock speed in such a way that's appropriate for its designed wattage. Now, This is, again, not, we don't know exactly what it was, but this is just another theory that has been thrown out. The good thing about this, right, this is is not like a Band-Aid fix. This is a permanent fix that they were able to do in software. And when I first heard it, my hunch was, look, there are ways that you can tweak this in software. You can tweak when, you know, there's an app called Mac Fan Control. You can actually set when your fans for your MacBook Pro turn on or off. You can configure that specifically with an app like that. You can also look at software developers. You can look at Adobe and say, hey, Adobe, optimize the software now that you have the new hardware. That's probably gonna take some time. That's not gonna happen overnight, but that will happen. And you have Apple here addressing it on their side as well. Now, Apple does claim you are gonna get performance gains up to this point. Some YouTubers said not really, but again, it comes down to the type of work you're doing, but other YouTubers have said, yeah, it's definitely shown an improvement in performance. I think overall, when we say perception is reality, the perception is that Apple stepped up quickly to address this and fix this. I personally feel a whole lot more comfortable with my MacBook Pro now, knowing that, okay, this main issue that it wasn't just kind of left and floating for a year and a half or two. If that was the case, if if Apple did nothing about this, and let's say in two or three weeks, 
The results show that this is still throttling exactly the way it was before and it's still extreme throttling, then I'm gonna return my machine. But if it has improved to be more than acceptable, which all indications show that it is, then I'm okay with this. I had a MacBook Pro 2015. I upgraded to this new one. I'm okay with this. The only thing I'm not okay with is the freaking touch bar. And I can't do anything about it. It's gross. It's a bad apple. Now that I've lived with the touch bar literally for a day, I, I can't. It's like, you know, the that back in the, I can't, I can't even. You know how they say it, kids. Also, the other thing that is great to know about my MacBook Pro, and this is probably isolated to me, but literally day one of using it, something is wrong with my sound card or the sound processor on my MacBook Pro. I was playing a YouTube video and then all of a sudden it like had this weird like blip, like blip, like a digital audio blip. And then I'm like, okay, uh, and I kept on hearing it. So I restarted my machine. I'm like, okay, it's gone. Maybe it's just a freak thing. And then now uh, when I'm watching a YouTube video, even I checked it with my own, the audio is like doubling over, glitching, and blipping consistently. I did a video clip of it. I'm not gonna play it for you because no one wants to hear that. But in day one, like I've already got an issue, a major audio issue with my MacBook Pro sound card slash speakers. Yeah, I'm going into the store to get it checked out. It's like, come on, man. Come on. I, I don't know. I, I'm screaming inside. It hurts. We'll see, I'll let you know how that all plays out. But Overall, when I look at the MacBook Pro, let's say my situation separate from everyone else's, I think how Apple's addressed this, and it seems like it was a significant, this bug they found or really this key that they had potentially assigned as a desktop CPU instead of a laptop CPU, the gains are there. I would feel comfortable today. I feel comfortable today owning my MacBook Pro now as my new machine, except that my sound card is acting like a poo-poo right now. So let me know, like, what do you guys and gals all think about this whole MacBook Pro fiasco? Are you happy with how Apple dealt with it? Are you still mad at them? I gave them a great Apple in the show because I gave them a bad Apple in last week's video because you've got to, when they address it this quickly, you've got to give them some props. But did it happen? Yeah. Does it suck? Yeah. But it's over now. We're moving forward. Let's see how everything plays out now from this point on and see what the results are. All right, this is an issue that Apple may not be able to fix with software no matter what they do. Qualcomm and service Ookla, they put out a report and Ookla is the company behind Speedtest. I know you all have used it. If you haven't, you should. I, it's like such a nerdy thing where you're wondering how fast is my Wi-Fi connection at home? How fast is my broadband connection at home? If you got wired up for gigabit ethernet, like am I getting those gains What's going on here? Speed test is the app. Uh, it's one of those like must-have go-to utilities. So over time, the interesting thing about this is Ookla, they don't do their testing in this controlled corporate lab to measure out internet speeds, what you're getting from one phone to another. They're basing it purely on the data that they get from consumers who are using the app and collecting it and coming up with results. So this is quite you know the legit way to handle this. And what they have found and what Samsung has been pushing hard in writing and what, you know, to Apple's dismay, I guess, after all the the poop talking that Apple's done over the years, this is just pure cold hard facts. 
the Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 chip, it has their own integrated X20 LTE modem. This modem performs faster than the Intel XMM7480, which is the LTE chip used in some iPhone 10 and iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus models. Qualcomm and Ookla are touting that the that Android phones with Snapdragon 845 processor chips, when it comes to LTE speeds, are faster than any iPhone. And you have to remember, right? The iPhone is kind of a little behind the life cycle. Now, the Samsung Galaxy S9, they stagger it. They release it like six months separate from the iPhone, which is, so now it's not they're really on a yearly cycle. It's like every six months, one phone has the edge. <laughs> Get it, Samsung Edge, <laughs> when you talk about who's faster and who's not. So fine, I'll, I'll at least preface it that, yes, the iPhone doesn't is is behind in this kind of race between the two. But these are the foundings Using T-Mobile and AT&T networks on AT&T's network, download speeds with Qualcomm-based Snapdragon 845 chips were 40% faster than the iPhone. Upload speeds were 20% faster, and latency was 20% lower. All right. Now, if you talk about T-Mobile, using, again, this name uh, on their network using Android phones, Snapdragon with their X20 LTE chip was 53% faster in downloads compared to iPhones and their latency was 32% lower. Now, if it came to uploads, upload-wise on T-Mobile only showed a 2% difference, so it's pretty much the same. But again, this is comes down to the component and the chips inside these phones. Bottom line, and this is nothing software can fix like they did or at least quote-unquote fix right now with the new MacBook Pros, Android phones, Google Pixel phones, uh, Samsung S9, S9 Plus, they're faster than the iPhone right now. But if you want me to balance this out, because sometimes people say, oh, you're hating on Apple so much. Look, Apple fans, Apple Bits Nation, don't worry. Samsung's Galaxy S9 is the worst performing Samsung Galaxy since the S3 in 2011. The worst performing based on sales. This has also resulted, according to a report in Digitimes, for Samsung to force themselves to accelerate its rollout schedule from the Galaxy Note 9 because the S9 and S9 Plus have performed so poorly and weaker than expected. And what is really behind this? Look at the S9. It looks pretty much exactly like the S8. And also, its feature set, it, there's not much difference. It's just a little faster a little better, but there's nothing that was compelling enough to make people who have an S8 go and get an S9. Uh, I'm curious. I know there's people that don't, that aren't completely in the Apple world that listen to this. They prob- most people that I know didn't jump from an S8 to an S9. So there you go. That should make you guys and gals happy. I'm not always hating on Apple. We try to, we try to keep it balanced here, okay? All right, let's take a break and just thank our sponsors for this show. It is you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong, where you can sponsor the show starting at $1 per month, $5 per month. That's a cup of coffee. If I've given you value that you think is worth that much per month, we have different tiers, 10, 25, 100, and exclusive benefits at Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. 
We are right now just under $500 from reaching our first initial goal to make this a permanent thing until the end of time. I'm so grateful. Uh, this move has been you know, exciting and scary for me, but I can't thank you guys and gals enough. It's the Apple Bits XL audio podcast. It's the videos that I'm doing that you can check out on YouTube. And I actually have a little uh, really fun thing with a certain astrophysicist that I'm going to post in a few days just for you because you all deserve it. So there you have it again, patreon.com slash Brian Tong. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. It's amazing. I'm like, it blows my mind. All right, let's keep on rolling through the stories. This one coming up, look, there's always supply chain stories with the iPhone X, iPhone X Plus, whatever you want to call it coming out. The latest story coming out from Barron's is that Apple might might have to delay the launch of its new low-cost 6.1-inch iPhone by one month and launch the device in October while the OLED-based iPhones, the 5.8 and 6.5-inch iPhones, will still be on track for a potential September release. According to the report, the issue has to do with LED backlight leakage. So for them to tighten that up, There's been a delay in the mass production of the 6.1-inch iPhone across the board, so we'll see how this plays out or not. Look, I'm sorry, three phones is too many phones. Three phones now? Amongst the other previous models you got, it's just, it's too much. You guys are getting getting a little greedy. That's all I'm saying. Also, this week, kind of fun, but it went away real fast. Apple or someone was able to get internal Apple repair videos that kind of gave people a sneak peek behind the curtain of what they do. Really, you got to see tools that have never been shown publicly of how they access or repair these devices. Many of them were related to the iPhone 10. There was the iMac Pro and the MacBook Pro. These videos, guess what? They're clearly official. They have been removed from YouTube. They're gone. So maybe you had a chance to take a peek at them. Look, it's repair videos. I guess it's kind of fun to to see what's happening behind the scenes. I, I guess actually it is fun. I would have looked at them if I saw them now. <laughs> I would have looked at them. All right. We know that USB-C has been kind of this element that will be part of this new upcoming iPhone. The idea or the thinking now is it'll be some sort of lightning cable to USB-C cable that will then plug into a USB-C charger for faster charging. Rumors now suggest Apple will bundle their 18-watt USB-C power adapter, which you've probably seen pictures of online, with its 2018 phones, but it might not be sold separately for a while. Like, why why would they do this? Well, part of it is that suppliers, according to this report from Mako Takara, suppliers are only able to manufacture enough chargers right now for inclusion with a 2018 phone. These are all, again, rumor reports. This is nothing confirmed, so take that how you want it. But here's another follow-up to this USB-C charger story. A new report and rumors, again, from Mako Takara, who seems to be the USB-C power adapter expert with the 2018 iPhone 10, 10 Plus, whatever you want to call it. The rumor suggests that Apple will bundle this faster 18-watt power adapter but third-party fast charger compatibility may be limited. 
They cite information from their suppliers and claims that third party, third party, yeah, of course, third party fast chargers may not work because they'll require a USB-C authentication certification. This is to charge the iPhone lineup at their full speeds. Otherwise, we've seen some of these warnings with third-party accessories that say this may not be compatible. Well, they're going to show a warning that says it will limit the charging speed to a maximum of 2.5 watts, which is a whole lot slower. USB-C authentication is intended to protect you against non-compliant USB-C charges. We know, come on, how many of you have bought a, a backup iPhone charger and cable on Amazon? Most of you do. The whole idea is it's hopefully to mitigate risk from some of these malicious hardware or software and USB devices more than anything. So we're just going to throw it out there. It would be really interesting if you only have one charger and if you lose it, it's right. If they only have one USB-C charger and they're not selling them separately and you can't use a third party one that isn't authorized, what do you do? Like if you have AppleCare, they're just going to give you a new one because you lost it. I mean, they don't give you stuff for losing things. Do they replace your phone when you lost it? No. So again, this is all speculation. We'll see what happens. But if you're talking about charging, I had to drop this. This is really cool. This is kind of a fun thing, right? I talked to a lot of accessory companies. Belkin has now launched their new 10-watt boost-up wireless charging pad. It's like this. There's one that's just like kind of a circular disc pad, and the other one is a charging stand that allows you to rest your phone either vertically or horizontally. The cool thing about this is they are optimal for wireless charging for all Q, Qi, sorry, Qi-enabled devices. Faster universal charging up to 10 watts. Well, that works with, you know, Samsung devices, LG phones, but at least for the iPhone 10, 8, and 8 Plus, it's still delivering 7.5 watts, but it's just kind of a cool design, just something we're checking out for all you wireless chargers. I actually have not purchased a wireless charger for myself for my phone because it's just faster with the cable still. Call me old school, but I, I'm not using it. I'm curious, actually, how many of you are actually using wireless chargers? Are you happy with that investment or does you kind of expect it to be slow so you just put it on overnight? Again, 833-888-ABXL is the place to call. Speaking of calls, let's let's get to these calls. All right, so remember, 833-888-2295, name, where you're from. You guys and gals that support the show, support the phone line, and I love it. It just adds so much flavor. So let's get to our calls. This one's coming to us, first of all, from my man, Josh. Hey, Brian. This is Josh again from Ambler, Pennsylvania. Love your show. Keep up the good work. Um, I have a comment and a question. Um, I had the Mac uh, MacBook Pro 2016 with the touch bar, bought it the day it came out. And recently, I just bought the 2018 MacBook Pro 15-inch. I maxed out every spec except for the hard drive. I got a one-terabyte hard drive. But I I completely agree with you and your guests um, on the recent show. The touch bar is completely meaningless. It's actually hard for me to hit it accurately each time with my finger. Half the time, I miss it or hit something I don't want to hit. I mean, I really wish they'd get rid of it. And um, I, I agree that we shouldn't be forced into using it. I mean, God forbid they admit that something they created is not a success. But in any case, my question is, is when the 2016 MacBook Pro came out, at the time you had mentioned how this really wasn't a pro machine. And I'm wondering, 
now that you can get the i9 throttle gate or no throttle gate um, and the 32 gigs of RAM, etc. Is this actually a pro laptop again? Thanks for everything. Have a wonderful day. Peace. All right. Thanks so much, Josh. I absolutely think even with throttle gate happening or, you know, the thermal throttling issues, uh, as it appears that they have been resolved to sat to a level of satisfaction. And again, all machines will throttle. I think this is absolutely a pro machine. This is a machine that I look, I could have clunkered down and put down money for an earlier machine. Quite honestly, I wanted to use the money for a Mac, uh, an iMac, but I'm going to start bouncing around and doing some things on the road and I need to be mobile and I need to have the best machine possible, at least for, you know, video editing within the ecosystem that I work with. And so I'm not saying if I got it, it's an indication that it's a pro machine, but I got it because I needed a pro machine on the go. So I, I'm, I am behind the MacBook Pro and uh, this whole, the whole throttle gate stuff to me, even though it's only been a day or two, it's it's kind of behind me until something until something big pops up. But I I don't just the way that Apple handle it so quickly. I I don't I don't think we're gonna see anything major pop up. But again, the YouTube world, which brought this to light, can also bring other things to light. So we'll see what happens. All right, let's get to our next call. What's going to be Tong Tyler from Hot Atlanta? Just wanted to leave you a quick voicemail. I want to hear your thoughts, B Tong. I know you've mentioned this quite a bit, that Apple is spread way too thin. They are not focused on, you know, a singular vision for the company. But I've never heard you say what you think those things should be. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. My thoughts are they need to whittle it down to just the iPhone, the iPad, and I think they need to drop the laptop division and just combine combine it with the iPad division, making it very similar to the Surface to give us uh, just some, you know, more dimension with that product. I think they need to keep the Apple TV. I think they need to have one iMac, okay, for power users, and they need to keep Apple Music. Those are kind of the things I believe. And, you know, I mean, obviously the wireless headphones, uh, you know, the AirPods, I think is a keeper Beats headphones, maybe. I, I'm not really sold on why we, why Apple's even doing the Beats headphones. But anyway, those are my thoughts, brother. Hit, let me know what you're thinking. Love to hear it. Check you later. Freedom. <laughs> Tyler, you cracked me up because um, at first you're like, let's slim down the product line. And I think the only things you didn't mention were the MacBook Pro and maybe the apple watch and you're pretty much like let's keep everything like as you went down the list you're like oh my gosh this is good this is good so here's here's what i mean when i say apple needs to slim down and they're spread too thin and they're super focused it may not necessarily be from a product side i think it's more specific to product lines for me now i got to give them kudos although it was sad to see they weren't competing in the wireless uh, router space anymore they just weren't all these mesh network products that were out there were just so much more superior anyway. So they threw in the towel. They stopped development, developing that long ago. But when I say that they're spread too thin, look at look at their product line when it comes to the iPhone. We have three iPhones that they're working on now. And then when they release an iPhone, they still leave the different versions to hit every price point. Uh, 
as far back as three or four generations. Like that's too much to, okay, just to even develop and maintain eyeballs on three different models of phones. That's a little cray cray. And here's the thing. When you talk about they don't have a singular vision or what would be my suggestion, here's where I think Apple has changed specifically. The singular vision used to be make great products. And Apple still does make great products. Sometimes they go through more bumps in the road. But initially, yes, again, we say it during the SJ era, they made great products more often than not on the first shot, right? They came out like the rookie of the year. They came out like LeBron James and got better. They didn't come out like Kwame Brown and never developed. They didn't come out. They came out like LBJ with the iPod, with the iPhone, with the iPad. I I would even arguably say the AirPods might be up there as they've evolved, even though they look like poo-poo. But I'm over that. I think what they have changed to now under Tim Cook's regime is make great products, but also make a whole lot of money while you make great products. And Apple has always made a whole lot of money, but when you start changing the philosophy of your company to be make great products, and yeah, we want to make a whole lot of money, you can see how that has trickled down. We have three models, three different sizes of iPhones. Under SJ's regime, it was one. And it was the one that you could count on, and everyone got that one. And yes, the smartphone market has evolved. But we see Tim Cook is a numbers guy. He's um, a you know production, you know, production chain guy he understands where money can be made at every level and if you see how apple has now evolved they create a product at every level we have even though they haven't updated it lately we have the ipad mini but what we have three sizes of ipads right now we have three ipads right now 12.9 10.5 9.7 that's trying to make money at every level and say there's an ipad for everyone i'm not disputing the fact that they are making boatloads of money but when you have product lines that used to be so much more simplified and people are like that's the one i want to get it showed to me that they had a singular vision of let's make the best product possible and make product singular not let's make the best product possible while making money at every level that we can and that's what i think has changed and you can and then when you say okay now that we're spread too thin what do I mean by that? Okay, we got the Apple Watch, which I love now, but it took three years to get there. Um, we have AirPods. Apple's going to be making wireless headphones. You can only, there's a point where you can only be proficient in so many things, and we are starting to see where that is an issue. The thing that keeps us in here is the ecosystem. It really is the ecosystem. And, if, and also, a lack of vision has hurt them when it comes to the smart home assistant. Amazon, Google, eating Apple's lunch, absolutely eating Apple's lunch. So sorry that I went on this long tangent. I had to kind of explain where I'm coming from and the evolution of how this is happening. But Apple's vision now is make great products that also can make us as much money as we can along the way. That's where I think it's changed. And it's not this altruistic, let's make the greatest freaking product we can right now and blow people's minds. I don't I don't think that's how it is anymore. That was an SJ thing. We're now doing Tim Cook things. And I'm not one to say which one is right or wrong, but I think the proof has been in the excitement level, the eye rolls, the ups and the downs over the past 
four or five years specifically that we've seen. And the quality of some of the software that is coming out that is with these devices. If you have one product and only one product to develop for, the software is going to be a whole lot easier to manage. It is. It always has been that way. So, um, but guess what? I'm still a fan to a certain degree, but I'm really as fair as possible on it. And there are times where I'm going to get geeked up because this is just awesome tech. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to move on to the next call. Sorry for that long talk, guys and gals. Let's hit it. Fab, what's up? Hey, Brian, it's Fab calling from Toronto. Uh, Great to hear your voice again. I'm glad that you are done with the other plates. Uh, I think this will lead to great opportunities in the future. Anyways, two quick points. The first, the new MacBook lineup. Um, I was just curious if they did any changes on the display or the bezel. Um, It looks like it's the exact same physical form factor, which I think is also getting a little outdated. And the second thing is I have, I think, eight Google Homes uh, around my business and home, and I have Alexa. And I actually don't find either of them to be particularly useful. Um, I find myself banging my head, uh, you know, in, in 2018, I, I thought our voice control systems could do a lot more. Um, it would be cool to be able to use them for banking or playing YouTube videos or just to do every, well, most of the tasks that we do on our phone. Um, so I don't think Siri is that far behind. I think they could really catch up if they put their mind to it. Um, I think in a couple of years, Siri will come out ahead. Um, I think uh, Apple realizes it. So I think that this could turn into uh, kind of what Apple did with the Apple Watch, how they um, per- more perfected that field, that space further. I think that they'll do the same with uh, with voice control. Anyways, my two cents. Uh, uh, I, uh, thank you for everything that you do. Have a good day. I thought that was a really interesting perspective, and I liked it, whether I agree with it or not, the, you know, I think the big thing with the smart home for me, the reason, look, the smart home still has a ways to go get it smarter. And I I don't know exactly how you're using your smart home. But for me, the reason why, you know, Amazon and Google are so far ahead is more than anything, their compatibility with smart home devices. Like when I first bought an Amazon Echo, I'm like, okay, cool. I can play music. I can do recipes. But then I bought smart lights, smart bulbs. And I'm like, oh, this is sick. I can choose different rooms to be lit in different ways or when I come in certain ones turn on and off I can just walk I don't have to I can leave my place and just say turn off all the lights and I don't have to hit a single switch and it actually makes my life more convenient and sometimes it it doesn't hear me right but it's more often than not it works fine but then I started getting into more than just light bulbs it was like the thermostat it was the Harman Logitech Harmony remote where I could turn on my TV and it sets the right inputs and all this stuff that's where it kind of blew my mind open to be like, whoa. And then I look at Apple, who literally, on their compatibility chart for smart home devices, they're hovering around somewhere uh, between 200 and 300 smart home devices that they're compatible with. Let me break down the numbers for you for Amazon and Google. I know this off the top of my head because I looked it up a few weeks ago. Amazon is compatible with 13,000 smart home devices. Google is compatible with over 5,000. Apple is at 200 to 300. Come on, you have to do better. Now, Apple knows they have to do better with this. The hiring of John Giandrea, Gian Andrea, is huge for Apple. He was the lead AI guy at Google. They poached him. 
It's going to make a whole bunch of difference. I've talked on this show multiple times. They're going to blow up Siri. They're going to build it from scratch, but it's going to take two years to do it. He is the man to do it. The other thing you have is though there's a lot of competition out there. Siri's origins came from this company that ended up developing the evolved version of Siri called Viv. Now, we know historically that Apple acquired Siri and it was brought into the fold. And then Apple decided to do what they wanted to do with it. The original team that created Siri that was then given to Apple said, oh, you know what? You don't, your vision isn't what we wanted to do. Guess what? We're going to make the next generation of ours and it's going to be called Viv. And if you go online and look up TechCrunch and Viv, spelled V-I-V, there's an amazing demo of how freaking smart this thing is, taking multiple queries, ordering a pizza, customizing it, doing just wild things that are so much more sophisticated than anything we've ever seen. And guess who bought them? Samsung. Samsung is going to integrate this Viv Assistant into their Bixby platform. Bixby is all right, hit or miss. It does some cool things, but, you know, would I put in the top two or three? No. But that's, Apple has a lot of catching up to do. They have to do it, and we'll see what they do. I don't know if they're going to become on, come on top in two years. I think that's a large task to ask for them. But I think they need to be back in the conversation is like, this is more than acceptable. This is more than usable. And the community that is part of the ecosystem isn't crapping on it because most people that are at least in the tech world that use Siri think Siri is horrible. But when I look at general consumers, they may not think much about it. They may not look at Siri as poorly as we do, Um, you know, the people that love this stuff. So Apple just needs it to be better and it needs to be more compatible. So thanks for the call, Fab. Appreciate that. All right, last call for the day. Uh, I think we've got a new Mac genius here up in the house. Hey, Brian. It's Seth from Nashville, Tennessee. I just had a really amazing idea about the uh, Mac Mini. How cool would it be if the new Mac Mini had the coils on it to charge your phone on the top of it? So the device is really small. You just put your phone on there, iPad on there, bam. Wireless charger, no cords, done. How cool would that be? Love the show. Thanks. Ooh. Ooh, Seth. Seth, my man, you just blew my mind. Did y'all hear that? Oh, I love that. I love that idea. Again, not everyone's going to get a Mac Mini, but if you're going to get a Mac Mini and it has an air power pad type charging mat on top, yeah, yeah, I'm feeling that. Hey, Seth, uh, you better, I don't know, a lot of people heard that right now. If we end up seeing that in about two years, you, they, they stole your idea. They just, they just took it. Just like they took Xerox's point-and-click interface. <laughs> That's some old school right there. All right, thank you so much for that. I love that call. But again, everybody, to be a part of the show, 833-888-ABXL. That's going to do it for this week. You can also support this show at patreon.com slash Tong. It is weekly. Sometimes we do bonus shows. Uh, those aren't guaranteed, but we give you as much content as we can, and you can check out all the exclusives and different levels that you can support me at patreon.com. And we always show love to our platinum apples at the $100 support level. Brandon Ledford, Terrence McKelvey from Stratos Wealth Partners, Gil Cabrera, Andy Halverson, Wesley Frader, Michael Bullock, and Craig Hindall. We're going strong, y'all. All right, that's going to do it for the show. Take care. Be safe. It's everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.